0: and welcome to A is for Agrimony, or AFA, Coffee Stained Notes on Witchcraft, or Now. Maybe that second one doesn't work. I am Margot, your hostess with the Gnosis. And I have some great news for you. Mercury Retrograde is coming to an end soon, on Sunday, May 14th to be exact. So we can all breathe a sigh of relief as our ability to fully function and communicate, come back, and give ourselves a pat on the back for not throwing our tech devices out any windows. No shame if you did, however. Especially not for me. But remember, this big, stupid, annoying period of time does come with a shadow period that both precedes and follows it. Ugh. And this one will last until May 31st. It's kind of like a winding down of all the energies, or disruptions rather, of Mercury retrograde because it can't exactly come to a screeching halt. Remember Spaceballs? <laughs> we can't stop. We have to slow down first. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hate that in uh, editing. Anyway, actually, I guess in this case, since Mercury is going direct, it's more like a speeding up. I don't know. My brain hurts. We're still in the hole, remember? But technically speaking, this. Retro-shade, I'm using quotes, that occurs both before and after the retrograde is, in fact, when the planet appears to slow down as it prepares to enter retrograde and then speeds up again as it leaves its backward motion behind. Imagine a turntable where you take your finger and place it on a moving record, slow it down, move it backwards, and then let it go again. Also, don't ever do that to someone's turntable. (laughs) So I hope this makes sense because the shadow period will be lasting until the end of this month. And if that weren't enough information already, it turns out that the end of this pesky transit can feel even more intense than the retrograde itself. This is because Mercury, if you remember is the fastest orbiting planet in our solar system. Not the fastest spinning, but the fastest orbiting. Appearing to slow down and begin moving backwards when it enters retrograde, thanks to the relative speed of our Earth and Mercury. This happens three to four times a year for a period of about three weeks each, because Mercury only takes 88 days to orbit the Sun compared to Earth's 365. And when it begins to station direct, it suddenly begins picking up the pace. Which can leave you feeling a little bit of whiplash. And Mercury can end up feeling like even more of a trickster than ever before, ushering in even more communication breakdowns, travel delays, technological train wrecks, unlucky mishaps, and drama that can match your favorite reality trash TV show. Okay, I'm being a little dramatic. Blame the timing. But we don't have to pull out our hair, smash our phones, and disown our loved ones just yet. There are ways to navigate this hellscape, I mean this challenging time, in a way that could not only leave us unscathed, but might actually have it working with rather than against us. If there's one thing that Mercury brings out in most of us, it's the desire nay, the need to revise and reimagine certain aspects of our lives. I know I have, very recently. So, although many people will advise you not to make any major decisions during this time, it is actually the perfect time to make the types of changes that will have real impact in your life, your livelihood, your relationships, your spiritual practice, etc., This is why it's so typical for individuals to break with the old and start embarking on a new path when Mercury retrograde starts packing it up. In fact, it's beyond typical for the retrograde pre-shadow to make individuals start analyzing the things that lack stability and consistency in their lives. It's like the prologue to your Mercury retrograde experience. So in turn, it's typical for them to decide to work on these things, restructure them in a way that better suits all parties. But when the post-shadow rears its ugly head, they may come to the conclusion that all of this has taken too much energy and simply isn't worth maintaining if it means so much hard work. Relationship issues and subsequent breakups are the perfect example of this scenario or realizing that you're in a thankless job and then deciding to stick it out and come at it from a new perspective because you need the money, only to finally come to the realization that your happiness isn't worth sacrificing and you quit. This is why this period can be so challenging. I know I started out saying I have good news and now I'm realizing that I've thrown that all into the toilet and I'm sorry, but when you know what you're in for, When you know why you feel so hard-pressed to make a change and why things feel out of place, you can move forward with the proper amount of caution, thoughtfulness, and yes, wisdom, even when you feel like mercury has given you temporary brain damage. So the good news is, now you know. (laughs) No. There is a way that you can keep your head and your cool through this shadow period, and that is to focus on yourself. Try to strike all the wondering about what other people are up to or thinking, especially exes, out of your mind. Even if they're acting out of pocket, or strangely, or even ghosting you, let them. They are experiencing their own form of retro shade clusterfuckery and probably just need some time for reflection as well. If they're still acting bizarre after the retro shade, confront them then. In the meantime, this is a wonderful, perfect, amazing time to focus on self-care. Catch up on sleep. Lord's know, all your overactive brain activity might be tiring your body out. Treat yourself to a spa day, either at the actual spa or at home when you're comfortable. Lean into your daily practice if you have one. I've found mine to be my savior on more than a few occasions. Take a hot bath with some salt, soothing herbs or essential oils. Do the things that make you feel good about yourself, whether that's lounging in your sleep clothes with a good book, getting some exercise, going for a nature walk, working in your garden, cleaning your house, or working some magic. And most importantly, take your time while doing it. Don't squeeze it in between two other tasks that you don't feel like doing. Linger in the space and time that makes you feel good. And don't let yourself feel guilty over doing it. What are we even here for, if not for pleasure? As for the people I recommended waiting until after the shitstorm blows over to confront, if you're feeling like the thing that will truly make you feel happy is making amends, then go ahead and give it a shot. Just don't be too surprised or disappointed if they aren't receptive or able to see your perspective quite yet. To sum it up, the next few weeks may not at all feel like the relief you were hoping for following Mercury Retrograde, but it doesn't have to be disastrous, especially if you focus on taking care of yourself and your closest immediate loved ones. Remember to practice patience with a little more fervor. Set aside the things that are sapping your energy and wearing on your nerves until later if you can or strike it from your life if you're finally coming to the realization that it's going to hell in a handbasket no matter what you try to do about it. That's all we can do, other than being nice to the people who love us and holding boundaries with the people who love to test us. We'll be all right. Okay, now let's talk about the main title topic of this episode already, daily practice. So, some of this episode may seem a little familiar to my episode number four, Breaking the Magical Fast, How to Bounce Back from a Lull in Your Practice, because I covered daily practice a little bit, Uh, and it was indeed the process of my bouncing back from yet another rut very recently that inspired me to drop an episode that dives deeper into the particulars of daily practice. Between this Mercury retrograde and the last two eclipses, as well as a very full schedule, I fell very deeply into a hole of stagnation that took up the last few weeks' time and proved a bit difficult to drag myself out of. Do not feel guilty about it. It happens to every single one of us, no matter what kind of face we're presenting to the world. In fact, I was in the process of setting a new weekly schedule for myself to follow. I'm a planner, a list maker, and a schedule keeper. That's just how I need to function. While I was also silently reminding myself that I needed to come up with a topic for my next episode when it all clicked together. This, what I was doing, was my topic. Daily practice. Because I wasn't making a list of appointments, meetings, visits to the gym and whatnot, I was making out a schedule that made space for and prioritized my daily practice. I know some of you may be thinking, how can you micromanage your spirituality that doesn't seem right? And for some of you, it certainly isn't right. But for me, my daily practice keeps me happy and healthy mentally, spiritually, and even physically. But just like exercise... No matter how good it makes me feel when I've been keeping to it consistently, it's just so easy to get stuck in a rut and stay there. So yes, while it's far better for some of you to simply let your desire to do the magic or honor your spirituality when you feel led to take control, for me, and maybe for some of you, it's something worth carving out time for, either every day, every week, or a couple times a month. Because we know how truly fulfilled we feel when we keep to it consistently. So what is it? (laughs) There is no how-to with daily practice. And no witch's daily practice looks like another's. In fact, more often than not, no witch's daily practice looks today how it will look in a few years. That's why it's a topic that isn't the simplest to tackle, but we're going to get through it together. So I'm going to start with my own personal definition of daily practice. Forgive me, I do try to keep UPG to a minimum, but hell, it is my show and I'm bound to break some of my own rules from time to time. So, to me, daily practice is the maintaining of a consistent effort to stay connected to nature, spirit, or deity through ritual that is completely customized to the individual's ability, belief, and desire. And it doesn't necessarily have to be daily. I call it daily practice because I try to keep up with it daily routine, but you may find weekly fits your ability, belief, and desire much more realistically. Spinning off of my own personal definition of daily practice, I also believe that it's essential for anyone who wants to deepen their understanding and connection to witchcraft and spirituality. It is a way to establish a regular rhythm of connection with the divine and the magical, allowing for growth and development over time. This isn't just stirring your coffee clockwise or counterclockwise, though that activity does become a component in many witches' more lengthy morning ritual daily practices. It's the entire process that becomes an offering, a prayer. And a building block for experience in and of itself. And there are some reasons why a daily practice is important in witchcraft and spirituality. They are consistency, focus, connection, growth, transformation, and transformation. <laughs> so, consistency. Regular practice creates a consistent energy flow, allowing you to build up your magical power and connect more deeply with your spiritual path. A daily practice helps to establish a routine and ensures that you make time for your practice, even on busy days. Focus. A daily practice helps you to focus your mind and intentions. It provides a space for you to center yourself and connect with your inner Wisdom, allowing you to tap into your intuition and gain clarity on your goals and your intentions. These are going to come up a lot. Connection. A daily practice strengthens your connection to the divine and to the energies of the universe. It helps you to establish a deeper relationship with the divine, allowing you to receive guidance and support on your spiritual path. Growth. Daily practice allows you to explore and develop your magical abilities and spiritual gifts over time. As you practice regularly, you will become more confident in your abilities and more attuned to the energies around you. And finally, transformation. A daily practice is a powerful tool for personal transformation. It can help you to release old patterns and beliefs that no longer serve you and to cultivate new habits and perspectives that align with your spiritual path. And it doesn't matter how often you rebrand your spirituality. This is transformation and growth. Just keep moving forward. It's always good. I I hope that I've convinced at least a few of you at this point that daily practice is a vital component of witchcraft and spirituality, helping us to deepen our connection to the divine and to the energies of the universe, whether it's meditation, ritual, prayers, affirmations, divination, spell work, study, or all of the above. Making time for a daily practice will help you grow, transform, and connect With your higher self. So again, what is it? (laughs) I can't give you a step-by-step set of instructions like a spell I wrote or offer you an outcome that's to be expected, but I can give you examples of activities that many practitioners incorporate into their own daily practices, starting with saying a prayer or words of gratitude upon waking every day, even before you get out of bed. Uh, stepping outside and starting your day in nature. I recently started going out to let my chickens out at daybreak, and I was pleasantly pleased with the positive impact that this one little task has on the rest of my day and my feeling of connection with nature. Really enjoying it. Love those little birdies. (laughs) Uh, Lighting incense and smoke cleansing yourself, as well as your ritual space to prepare for your daily practice or just your day ahead in general. Uh, Lighting a candle on your altar, for your altar. Remember, your altar tools and icons hold a lot of power and spirit in them, and honoring them cannot hurt. Uh, You can also light candles for ancestors, spirit allies, land or house spirits, or deities. And another option is making offerings to them. I like black coffee with a cinnamon stick and fresh water in the morning and a shot of honey whiskey or some red wine on the weekends or special occasions. Basically what I would happily have. (laughs) Occasionally I may place some flowers on my altar space, uh, and I have been known to leave some small gifts for allied spirits that are with me. Some people prefer to use their candles and incense as their offerings, and others offer their own energy, prayers, or time. All of these are excellent choices. Acts of service are also offerings. Cleaning and organizing the space where your ritual tools and altars reside is a show of devotion. Volunteering for an organization that is suitable for a deity that you venerate. For example, a a wildlife refuge in honor of Artemis, the goddess of wild animals, as well as the hunt, vegetation, chastity, and the moon. There are some who offer a portion of a grandparent's favorite fresh-baked recipe on an ancestor altar while others will make an offering that is specific and suitable to their deity, like chocolate, honey, and fruit for Aphrodite. But it doesn't need to be elaborate, and it certainly doesn't have to put you out. You'll know what's right when you're ready to set out offerings. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a whole lot of super duper magical editing in post, but I just want to let you know that I have moved my recording location um, out of absolute need today. So you can hear the tippy tappy claws of dogs walking around on hardwood floors, and you can certainly hear traffic noises. I'm going to do my best to get rid of those. But just in case, (laughs) I probably should have explained in the beginning of the episode, but just in case, here we go. So. Some other components of a daily practice can be uh, working with the land, or gardening, or caring for plants and animals in and around your home each day, going for a walk along or around a place of power, and possibly picking up any litter that you might see, sitting quietly with a journal and exploring the many facets of your spirituality in that way, Much like volunteering and acts of service, some will take time to sit and create something and allow their creative outlet to bring them closer to the spirit or deity that they work in honor of, be it painting or sculpting or drawing or writing stories, anything. You can dedicate these creative works to a spirit or a deity Uh, that is powerful veneration. Also, protection and banishment work. There are some who do the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram every single day as part of their daily practice. Uh, Some may take some time to learn about a new topic as a way of enriching their daily routine with new knowledge. And some will pull a tarot or an oracle card or cast some runes or brew some tea for reading the leaves and pour over the meaning of the readings by a candle. A single card pool can offer a great deal of perspective at the beginning of the day or deliver a message that you hope to receive from a guiding spirit. Some practice meditation or uh, do a grounding exercise at the start of each day or even at the end of the day. Remember, you decide when to perform your daily practice. It's entirely up to you. And there are some who simply cleanse their surroundings and say a prayer, an affirmation, or a mantra. This list could really just keep going on. But the point is, if it feels appropriate, and most importantly, if it helps you feel connected to that thing that turned you towards the craft in the first place, incorporate it. So I know this is a little far behind the curtain, but I'm going to explain my own daily practice. Not in great detail, but enough to be of help Uh, For anyone who might need a little basis for comparison, my practice has evolved into what it is over time and has expanded to include what's important to me now. And I'm certain that it will still go through some changes in the coming years. Mind you, it was just recently revised a bit as I explained before. So, (laughs) and I don't share it here as an outline to follow. I'm sharing it because I know it can be helpful to discuss Practice with fellow witches. We learn from one another even when we don't know we're teaching anything. So here goes. I start my day by screaming into the abyss. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Ah, but that would be really cool. Okay, seriously. So typically, I try to get up earlier than I actually ever end up doing, but I try to spend a little time in bed before getting up. Ability certainly comes into play here. And I'm sure it will with every aspect of my daily practice, especially down to the fact that I do it daily. But because I'm able, most mornings I spend a little time in bed and just enjoy the world and the day before it started. I take in the sound of birds, admire the growing light coming in through the window, and bask in some of the last few moments of comfort under the covers. This is, for me, a time for gratitude. And when that's over, it's time for coffee. (laughs) Gods help the individual who dares to stand in between me and my coffee when I'm fresh out of bed. I typically set a pot, and while it's brewing, I head out to let the chickens out of the coop, savoring the fresh morning air and the scents of the trees, plants, and ground cover all the while. A lot of maintaining connection is remembering to see and feel the magic that is always present all around us. And the easiest place to catch it is outside. Once the chickens are out and the dogs have had a nice romp around the yard, I go back inside where the coffee is waiting for me to pour a cup for myself as well as a small cup as an offering. I add a cinnamon stick when they're on hand and accompany my coffee offering with a small glass of fresh water and I go and I set them on my altar in my craft room. Next, I light some incense, whatever I'm feeling on that particular day, or maybe whatever corresponds to the day of the week that it might be, like something bright and sunny on a Sunday, watery and soothing on a Monday, or warm and fiery on a Tuesday. With my incense lit, I smoke cleanse myself, and then my entire ritual space, my altars, workspaces, etc. And then I place the incense down to smolder. Next, I light candles. I use these little Coco Soy tea lights because I can get a lot of them for a low price. They're safer for burning every single day, and they go for anywhere between three and five hours. I light two candles every single day. And then some additional candles depending upon who I specifically want to honor on special days of the week. For example, I will work with the energies of Mars on Tuesdays, and so I light a red candle at my fire altar for both Mars and the fire element, saying prayers and evocations while I do that. But the two candles that I light every single day, or try to, that is, is a candle on my main altar and a candle in front of my Mother Earth statue. Any other candles I light depend on the day, and I do work with the planetary influences of each day, something I have been going over in my Daily Magic series. I find it gives me something to focus on each day and helps me connect to the energies around me that flow and change with the passage of time. I should point out here that many practitioners just keep one candle, like a seven-day candle, that they light on their altar and that covers everything, rather than having specific candles for specific purposes you get to decide how involved or simplistic you want this to be and then make tweaks as you see fit over time. So once all of my candles are lit, incense is on, and my offerings of coffee and water have been placed, I sit at my altar, I take up my prayer beads, and I say my daily prayers. Yes, I pray. I know many people struggle with the word prayer because of its association with organized religion, but prayer existed long before congregations ever did, and it's simply what I'm doing. I'm praying. You may prefer invocations or evocations, affirmations, or simple words of gratitude, or you may choose to skip this part entirely. It is all up to you. But I say the same set of prayers every day to certain spirits, to my deities, to the elements, etc. Some of them I found in books and borrowed or adapted, and some of them I wrote myself. The important part is that they feel right for my purposes. If you find a prayer or evocation that's almost right except for a few words that don't jive with you, then change it. This is highly personal, so creative license is allowed. Just don't go trying to publish, you know, (laughs) a tweaked version of somebody else's prayer and everything will be okay. (laughs) When I finish my prayers, I draw a tarot card from a deck that I only use at my altar and I only use for myself. Just one card to give me an idea of what to expect in the day ahead, uh, how I'm doing in my magical progress, or whatever a spirit or my higher self wants me to know. I sit with that card, mentally examining the meaning. And when I'm finished, I wrap up my daily practice with a grounding meditation to set me up for the day ahead. And that's it. I think after describing it, it sounds pretty elaborate, but this practice can take me anywhere between 10 minutes and a half an hour, depending upon how much time I want to spend. And sometimes it involves me simply sitting in silence for a while with my coffee before my altar. Still, there are other days when it has to be skipped due to a busy schedule, time constraints, or my complete absence from home. So the point is that I keep up with it when I can, and it fulfills my spirit when I do. It's something that I developed over years of learning to connect with different aspects of spirit incorporating deity work into my practice and figuring out what I need personally to feel like I'm securing my connection to the divine and also enhancing my spiritual and mental well-being. I'm sure my practice may not look much like yours, but the outcome should be much the same. That's the whole point, which brings me to an important point. If you feel like you need to do it or else you might fall victim to some negative retaliation, then I urge you to stop and re-examine why you have certain fears attached to your spiritual journey and how you can reprogram yourself or unlearn certain things because your daily practice is for you. And yes, the spirits, deities, angels, guides, etc. that you work with will benefit from it as well, and subsequently so will your relationship with them. But there is no consequence to doing it wrong, missing a day or several days, or simply giving up and starting over again later on down the line. That Hollywood fabrication of the angry spirits and all the havoc they can wreak is just that. A Hollywood fabrication. And if you happen to have a pesky spirit who may not have your best interest at heart, then I don't recommend you ever acknowledge them in your daily practice. Your offerings, candles, prayers, meditations, etc. are for you and your allies. Anyone else can either become an ally or move along. Actually, uh, with that, I just realized that I have a new topic to cover soon. I was going to wait until Samhain season to cover spirit work and allyship, but I think an episode on protection magic and banishment should be forthcoming. So that is all that I have for you on daily practice. I I really, really hope that I was able to shed some light on a murky topic or at the very least give you some ideas to try out. And before I leave you, I'm going to share two of the prayers that I say daily, or again, I try to say them daily. One is by Aiden Watcher, the author of Six Ways, Weaving Fate, and Changeling. And the other is a prayer that I came across online one day. Uh, I loved it, and I adapted it to suit my own needs. The author, unfortunately, is lost to me, so if any of you happen to recognize it, I would be very happy to know of them. Uh, The first prayer is a prayer of gratitude to spirit allies. And the second is an animistic prayer honoring the spirits of land and place. To spirit allies. Benevolent spirits and allies who aid and guard me, I give thanks to you. I ask that you bless all who dwell in this house and all the creatures with whom I share this land. Watch over all of us and guide us to make the best use of our intentions, our time, and our energy. I thank you for your presence in my life. May there be peace between us always. And the prayer of the animist. This time in which I find myself is no less sacred than the times of the ancestors when the laws were laid down. This place in which I find myself is no less sacred than the circles of stone beneath faraway skies. I offer my respect and tribute to the spirits of this land and the spirits of this place. I offer my respect to all beings that dwell in this world, to stone and tree, to waves and breezes, to deities and dust motes. Do not let me forget, I pray, keep my eyes open to the sacred that surrounds me and in which I live. Okay, that is all that I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, Coffee Stained Notes on Witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you listen. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and soon to come, The Coven Shop. You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word or like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reach at a is for and if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join me over on Patreon at patreon.com a is for agrimony, where I share early release, unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, and much more. You're also welcome to send me some snail mail, if you're that kind of person, to P.O. Box 397, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, zip code 08003. I'd love a good surprise. <laughs> Or not. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well and have an amazing weekend. they are experiencing, their, they, are experiencing they are experiencing their own form of retro shade they are experiencing their own form of retro shade fuck god <laughs> <laughs> one more time as i talk about mercury fuckery they are experiencing their own form of retro shade <laughs> why is it so hard to say? All right. I'm going to say retrograde because retro shade. I still didn't get it right. Retro shade is really hard. Okay. You know what? No, fuck it. I'm going to get it right. They are experiencing their own form of retro shade cluster and probably just need some time for reflection as well. My practice has evolved into what is, what it is, uh, over time. <laughs> could you please stop tap dancing? I love you so much. Just lay down and relax. Oh my god. Just giving my dog a a scratch real quick. You want to say hi? I would have to pick you up. I can't pick you up. Okay. I'm going to start that last part over. I apologize. Okay, go lay down. (sighs) So. I'm not gonna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna ruin what I have going here because it works and it's not screwed up and it's not gonna get screwed up. But I feel like if I pick up my laptop so that I can show you my dog right now, everything's gonna fall apart. So just take my word for it that she's being real cute. Anyway, so.